Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum. We're both from Marketing Guys, a MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to the new episode of uh, the Marketing Technology Podcast. Today, I have the Chief Marketing Officer for Acton Software, a marketing automation vendor from Portland, uh, one of the uh, top players in the market, I would say, um, David Greenberg. David, welcome to the Marketing Technology Podcast. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Cool. I'm I'm looking forward for this this chat because you you're both a CMO and you're working with a, a big marketing automation vendor. So this this is going to be a fun fun conversation that we're going to have. We're going to talk about marketing and sales alignment because and and then specifically. Uh, we'll talk about some 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 examples, uh, some tips that you have on marketing and sales alignment. But first of all, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm David Greenberg. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Acton Software, which, um, as mentioned, is one of the leading marketing automation platforms out there in the market. Uh, helps uh, uh, companies, you know, do better marketing, use behavioral data to do better segmentation marketing, and obviously helps. Uh, scale out marketing uh, due to the automation aspect and sort of make your smaller team feel like larger teams. Cool. So I usually refer to Acton as a best of breed solution. So it's a marketing automation focused solution. It's not a part of a bigger, I would say, all in one solution. Um, is is there a reason why Acton is, let's say, focusing on a, at at a best of breed approach versus a an all in one solution? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think first um, we're we're just squarely focused on serving kind of the modern marketer that's out there right now, and uh, the modern marketer just has a lot more challenges um, that uh, uh, maybe than what we saw ten years ago. So so yeah, we're really focused on. Um, uh, making sure that we're developing tools and, and uh, uh, technology that's really just focused on marketing. I think one thing, um, uh, you know, I know a lot of companies have moved to sort of this all-in-one platform. And, and one thing we really hear from our, our customer base and out there in the market a lot is, you know, that's very, it's a very, I think one of the things we'll end up talking about today is that the market has changed a lot in terms of like the, how people think about leads mm-hmm. and how people buy and how handoffs and what the expectation of, of marketing is in a B2B environment. Absolutely. So um, let's, let's start with that question. How, um, what, what is a lead according to your definition? And when you say that, you mean act-ons or? or yeah, I would, yeah, yeah. Within act-on, maybe you, you can explain to listeners a little bit about your own, let's say, marketing and sales approach, and then um, elaborate a little on when a lead or a marketing qualified lead is turned into a sales qualified lead and how you approach that process. Sure, sure. No, absolutely. I think um, one, of the, one of the main fundamentals in our whole uh, uh funnel engine is that in today's world, consumers and buyers, both B2B and B2C, um, are in a much more control of consuming information, much more control of uh, getting feedback on various solutions. They look to review sites, they look to their networks, they look to, uh, you know, Googling, etc. And um, one of the big paradigms, especially in B2B, that has changed is 
I remember earlier in my career, I won't, I won't date myself by telling you how long ago, success was literally getting a name and handing it over to uh, sales. That was like handing a lead over. You got a lead, they filled out a form for some ebook and success, you pass it over to sales and sales went after it. But at that period, um, you know, the company had a lot more control of the information that was out there and, and what, what consumers and their potential buyers could see. So in today's age, that's totally different. Um, instead of like, they're pretty much ready to engage with you when they're on the 80 yard line. Whereas a while ago, there was probably more like the 30 or 40 yard line. So in our, in, in, at Act On, I mean, we subscribe to that wholly that consumers have the power and control to read and get information. And frankly, they want to read about you. Um, uh, they want to talk to you when they're ready. So we're very careful on our overall funnel and all our overall lead process that we hand leads, which we call MQLs, right? So we get lots of leads and then it's up to marketing to engage with them, drive whatever topical interest they're in and get them to a point where they're in sort of solution consideration mode. And it's only then at Act On do we pass that over to um, our sales team and I think that's that's a very different model than maybe what you saw 10 years ago where things were passed over quite a bit and then they were sent back to marketing. We hold on to leads a lot longer, mostly just to have a more efficient uh, funnel, to have a more sort of economic basis of everything. Um, but but at the end of the day, it just comes down to the consumer and the buyer experience kind of reigns supreme. I think one of the statistics that always surprises me, um, but you'll see it in many different forms, is just how important experience with the brand matters. And, and, and there's been a recent uh, uh, survey out there that was done by salesforce.com where four out of five uh, uh, customers care more about their brand experience than the actual product themselves. And I think that's just a very, very telling uh, data point that is accurate. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, talking about um, that let's say Salesforce as a CRM system, it's way more than a CRM system at the moment, of course. Um, how important is that, let's say, uh, technology stack in this whole marketing and sales alignment? With the CRM you're talking about? Yeah, probably, you know, sales sales uh, at Acton, I know from experience is using salesforce.com. Uh, as yep. a CRM, um, but yep. in, in general, I would say it's it's pretty important to have that stack aligned, right, between marketing and sales. Can you elaborate a little more on that? Yeah, no, no. I think what you're saying is is 100 accurate. I think um, in this in the sales and uh, sales world, you know, salespeople work in CRM. So even though we 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 really strive at act on to be focused on the marketing problems and making sure we're giving a marketer best of breed solution we're very conscious that tight integration with the CRM is very important especially for the on the revenue side you know which we're, what we're talking about today mm -hmm. um, so oh yeah sorry go ahead no, no, no. I just just wanted to elaborate a little more on that because we, we, indeed, you know, Salesforce and or any CRM and people tend to switch now and then from CRMs. Uh, maybe you're using Salesforce and, and some some folks are using Microsoft Dynamics or NetSuite or Azure or what, whatsoever. Um, you, you need something for your automation, your marketing automation to go along with that from the marketing perspective. Um, well, so, yeah, I was going to say in B2B, you often, I mean, most most B2B 
companies are working their their sales funnel in a CRM. So it's really important that the marketing systems talk to that and uh, you know has has sort of a two way conversation. I mean, I could say like at Act On. We're, we're, we're very, we kind of take an open book philosophy, meaning like we have a very tight integration with our CRM so that all behaviors, all activities that deals in the funnel that they're working right now are transparent to the rep. So they have the most intelligence and can make the smartest choices to win the deal at the end of the day. So we're very uh, focused on that when, when we pass it over to the sales team and the sales team accepts the lead. And I would say vice versa, we also have full visibility back into the marketing automation platform as to where the prospect is in the sales funnel. So different stages of the sales funnel require different levels of marketing support and messaging. So we really subscribe to having the systems talk to each other both ways. I mean, I would expect different businesses have different nuances in terms of what they need, but uh, uh, those two have to work together. I think anybody who's been in marketing and B2B marketing knows the importance of having the sales and marketing machine work in harmony. So um, for, to, to have your marketing and sales aligned, you need to have systems in place. And we're going to talk about other stuff that needs to be in place because you, you need to have your organizational uh, environment in place as well, et cetera. But talking about those um, technical implementations, um, when B2B marketers are talking about marketing and sales alignment and they're talking about, you know, uh, connecting a CRM system to their marketing automation system. I tend to say, you know, not all integrations are equal. Um, you just refer to some some uh, interesting stuff, you know, saying uh, act on more or less as an agnostic and best of breed solution, which means that it doesn't matter whether you're using Salesforce or Sugar or, you know, Microsoft uh, or whatever A-label solution, um, yeah. it would still natively integrate. But what exactly does that integration mean in practice to a salesperson and what does it mean to a marketer? Yeah, I mean, I think, okay, let me start with the salesperson. I think the integration with the, from the salesperson's view is that they are seeing and having full transparency on both what marketing touch points are happening. So, and also probably even more important is what that particular prospect is engaging with. So that therefore they can be more informed with areas of interest or topics that, that they see their prospect uh, 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 showing interest in. They can kind of head that off or, or weave it into the de deal conversation. I mean, there's a million flavors on that go. So I think that's, that's one of the most important part. I would also say from the sales side um, and uh, on the integration side, one thing that's very important, and I think a lot of them don't have this, is when you're running campaigns, integrated campaigns that involve sales activity combined with marketing activity, which I think most people would agree is um, uh, something we strive for, something we want uh, to happen and leads to a much more efficient sort of return. Um, so the other part about it is making sure that activities um, you know, again, every company uses this a little bit different, so you got to be a little careful, but <clears throat> we also have strong alignment on the activity level beyond just the intelligence level. So if certain set of actions happens, we expect a type of material to be sent, a personalized note to be sent, and we actually plumb in those activities based on the behavior of the prospect. So just kind of a nuance, but different Absolutely. So what, what in practice, uh, I, I 
uh, give those examples daily to to B two B salesperson. So SDRs and, and BDRs are using Salesforce as their main tool um, uh, on a daily basis, right? So they log into Salesforce in the morning or Microsoft Dynamics and they, they log in yep. um, and uh, they are populated uh, with leads. So automatically those MQLs turn into SQLs. So marketing qualified leads turn into sales qualified leads based, based on lead scoring. Um, so um, if they're, let's say, on a specific level, and you have, we'll, we'll come to that later, but you need to define that between marketing and sales, of course. But if, if they are at a specific level, they will automatically turn up as a lead within Salesforce. And it goes even further, as, as you refer to, if, if they are, for example, in a lead nurturing program, um, and they have gone through this uh, program for weeks, month, because, you know, sales cycles can be long in B2B. You can automatically create a task or a phone call or an opportunity or um, a lead within Salesforce. So it, pop it populates those leads into Salesforce. Yeah, that's exactly right. And obviously the benefit is we get to have that SDR team focused in one system. There's no confusion of having to go back and forth between both. And we get the full metrics on results and what's happened. Right. And talking about those results, if you're an SDR and you you pick up the phone, you send out emails, you you, you link to people on LinkedIn, et cetera. So you pick up those leads. Um, you can see their customer behavior, all their online touch points, offline touch points, if you connect them within your Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics, um, and you approach this customer. And, you know, if there is an opportunity, you can create an opportunity, all that data goes back into your marketing automation, uh, and is ready for reporting. Um, but let's say you reach out to a prospect, and it's not a valuable, valuable lead yet, for example, and they say, oh, cool that you're contacting me, but you know, this is planned for next year. So please contact me again later. We'll just um, put a sales stage in there, you know, re-nurturing through marketing automation, and the leads go back into a re-nurturing flow, right? That's absolutely correct. Yes, they send it. And I think that's a pretty common practice is yep. if it's a good, if it's a, if it's a qualified prospect, okay, I'm distinguishing that from a suspect here. They're not mm -hmm. ready to buy though. I think that's one of the obviously most important workflows in the funnel is, you know, a good, a, a high performing team is converting, you know, 10% at the most. So that at, no matter what number you're looking at, the vast majority aren't buying at that given moment. And I think that's one of the biggest, most important things is having a clear process where they can market back, send it back to marketing, and then you use mar uh, marketing automation to nurture and use the behavioral data to really provide them with a very kind of as personalized experience as you can. So they look at the brand favorably and want to engage in that one year later. Nice, nice. And um, one, one, one comment I was going to make too about... Um, <clears throat> I think there's more sophistication out there too around which leads are ready for sales. So I think what you, the, the, the sort of talk track you mentioned earlier, I think is absolutely correct, but there's a nuance that when the SDR, for example, here shows up in the morning, logs in, looks at their leads, they actually can prioritize those leads too. Not all MQLs are the same. So we use scoring, which I think is a pretty common and, and available in most marketing automation platforms to give them some guidance on prioritization 
of lead follow-up, okay? So like those obviously that are extremely high have visited the website, you know, 10 times in two days, responding to all the emails, have looked at the pricing page, um, are looking on our knowledge base, you know, those are, those are typically the, the behaviors that we see of people who are actively looking to purchase. And we generally coach and provide our SDR team a prioritized list of leads every day um, so that they can start with the most conceptually the most ready and then work their down, work their way down. And we statistically see more sent back that are lower score than higher, which is a little bit of a validation that it's working the way we expect it to work. Okay. Um, so w- when you're talking about that lead scoring and, um, you know, talking to sales about which leads get, let's say, sent to Salesforce, ready to be picked up by an SDR, um, yeah. how do you define which leads are sales ready? <clears throat> That's uh, okay. So great question. I would say um, in the beginning of the journey, when you don't have a lot of data to fall back to, it needs to be a conversation with sales. Um, I think you you obviously can do things like who are our customer base and what segments and what profiles cut through the most. And you certainly should consider organizing scoring around that. Um, but I think once you once you get this underway, it becomes much more of a database conversation rather than a uh, maybe philosophical sales marketing conversation. Um, we systematically every year, sort of a, one of the things we do at the end of the year is we go back and we look at... Um, for those SQLs that moved into the pipeline, what behavior and what patterns can we see in there that would adjust and improve our scoring? So the next time the SDR logs in, the ones that are on the top convert even at a higher rate. So mm-hmm. we really look at the data behind it. I mean, there's candidly, there's a mix of sort of firmographic type information that we look at, which is, you know, profile of company, industry of company, title of person. But the stuff that actually is a little bit more of our our own secret sauce is more like the behavior. So we have like two or three very specific activities that we know if they do, if the prospect does, they're more inclined to be in buying mode. And that's a combination of uh, page visits and frequency, different media properties across our, our owned media, our own owned media, excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, as well as interaction with prospecting notes. So we, we have a pretty good handle on that and we design it around the facts of the data for the most part. Okay, so you, you're talking to sales um, uh, and you're coordinating together with um, your peer over at sales or is, is there, is, how is this organized within Exxon um, to uh, to get to the best results, do you have like the, like a CRO structure, or is there a, a way of joint uh, setting joint um, KPIs, or how is this organization's organizationally structured within Acton? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, I think we we one we have kind of a, a pretty traditional kind of marketing function and a sales function. It's not umbrellaed underneath like a CRO function, which I have seen companies moving to. We are not like that. Um, it all to me, it, it all starts like we just have a strong partnership with with our sales counterparts, mm-hmm. and uh, we we have recurring, regular, quarterly meetings where we review our pipeline and the. Uh, business process and the flow uh, inside of that. And so I think we just have a good uh, in, inside the walls process working where everybody sort of subscribes to that philosophy. Obviously, we spent some time talking about the philosophy and getting everyone on the same page. Um, so now that being said, I would also say that we have, I have somebody on the marketing team that is focused on marketing operations. 
And one of the roles on marketing of marketing operations is taking the lead at understanding what data points lead to higher conversion rates. So we come in, you know, marketing comes in with some informed viewpoints and some informed data so we can all make decisions together. Um, and, and I just think the partnership, you know, especially in, in a, you know, more uh, large, once you get, you know, kind of a little bit larger and start getting a team of, we'll call it 10 plus, I think this concept of marketing operations becomes very important. And that marketing operations person is really the counterpoint to the traditional sales ops persona. Um, and, and obviously those two groups working together, because a lot of what we're talking about is operational excellence. And so, um, and, and what comes with marketing operations, I think too, and um, is, is the need to have good, strong operational discipline because it does become much more of a data math conversation um, uh, versus, uh, you know, kind of good business sense. I mean, I think those two are complementary. don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's not messing. I can, I can fully, I'm fully with you there. So um, when, when you're looking at, uh, the so we 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 talked about let me rephrase it a little because um, we we talked about the uh, technical stuff right so uh, how CRM and automation need to be uh, integrated to have marketing and sales aligned organizationally you need to be aligned you need to have same KPIs um, you need to coordinate the the way you work together um, is there um, anything that I missed here about the marketing and sales alignment that you would like to add on how you guys work together and how you're successful? Well, maybe, maybe two things. I think um, one of them, when you're designing your model, um, you you also, I think, uh, you know, very classic funnel has sort of this concept of there's leads, right? Which are people who've expressed interest in your company. And there's a lot of ways that can happen. We all know that. And then there's marketing qualified lead. And I think we were just focusing on the scoring aspect of how do we flag it so it becomes an MQL so that the SDR team picks it up and tries to drive it towards sort of down the funnel towards that first sales meeting, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and then after that first meeting, the sales rep can frankly accept, for us, they can accept the lead, which, uh, or they can reject it kind of an example you gave earlier, it's the right person, but they're not buying now, a deal's 12 months out, uh, not not gonna move it forward in the pipeline, but we don't wanna forget it. And then as you know, there's also sometimes where it's just sort of false positives. This person's not anybody we wanna pursue. Um, so I think the only thing I would add to all of this is um, you got you need, to, it's really important to have really clear business rules for all of those stages. So, you know, like I said, we use scoring as our business rule of triggering when an MQL shows up and it's agreed with marketing and sales and we come in with all data. But likewise, it's equally important to have a clear business rule of what becomes an SQL in our world. So like we use, we have, we have about seven key criteria that we look for. If five out of seven of that criteria is met, it will be moved forward to an SQL. And that SQL is probably like when I think about at least at Act On marketing KPIs, the number of SQLs is one of the met, probably beyond pipeline is the number two KPI that I look at. So I guess my my just sort of advice to any listeners and thoughts would be, um, each one of these steps has to have a clear business rule agreed between sales and marketing. What is an SQL? Well, if they're willing to meet with sales, um, it's a valid site company that meets our profile. 
um, they have budget or um, they are green, they wanna buy within nine months. They're, uh, uh, they are within one degree of the, there There are the decision maker or one degree of the decision maker. Very specific rules like that. So there's not any misinterpretation of what's good and what's not. And obviously you can tweak that over time based on learns. But it's, it, it's, it's, I always think of these conversion points in our funnel as like the gates. And uh, it's very important to have business rules around the gates. Um, it can't be open for interpretation of what's a sales qualified lead or not. There needs to be clear criteria. And frankly, we go all the way down where all of those, the seven criteria is documented at the lead level and carries all the way through pipeline so that we can track it and see three out of five out of seven, seven out of seven convert more. So um, that, I guess that'd be my main thing back, back to you is beyond having agreement on the scoring aspect of it, the funnel, the scoring part is really around is it ready for sales to touch in a B2B situation most of the time? So I just want to go, you got to go. I think it's important that marketing goes further than that and organizes with sales on what those different definition gates are. Same thing in our world, we have a sales qualified lead. Okay, so that sales, sales qualified lead means that there's been a meeting set up, the prospect's valid, the, the BANT you know, budget authority need timeline criteria has been met, and then the meeting happens. And then there's a criteria of what becomes what we call a SQO, a sales qualified opportunity. And um, you know, it's very important you have business rules. And uh, uh, obviously if you're looking as a B2B company looking to scale, you gotta have that work across many reps often in different time zones. So I just think that business process is very critical in a B2B situation. Great. That's that's some great insights, David. You know, the the the, um, the listeners have had some pretty pretty useful tips here on how to get that marketing and sales aligned. Should they have any questions after this interview to you? Would you be willing to answer them? And uh, you know, we, we will just uh, put your uh, your contact details in the show notes, of course. But are you uh, ready to uh, to get some uh, some uh, uh, answers uh, to uh, to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, I, I'm, I'm happy I'll provide you my, my direct contact information. And obviously, anybody can reach out to me in LinkedIn. If you do, just reference mm -hmm. this program and I'll make sure I reply back. Absolutely. So thank you very much, David. David Greenberg, CMO at Acton for this interview on the Marketing Technology Podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.